three, episode seven, happy anniversary, and episode eight, tapping the rudder, are over. But we're just getting started over here on Post Show Recaps. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski here with Barracuda Sarah Carradine. Sarah, I uh, I need you to drive the U-Haul to the drop point if you don't mind. Can you do that for me? Yes, absolutely. I'll do that immediately. Uh, Mary, I had a very funny line here, but I, I, I'm too furious to give it this episode seven made me so angry i wanted to throw my laptop out the window oh gosh yes we're gonna go goblin mode on this episode (laughs) i want to go goblin mode on episode seven f episode seven how dare they (laughs) two two and a half seasons of of drawing me into a false sense of security that the writers and creators would look after the female characters. No. And then they just totally and completely betrayed them and all of us. I'm furious! Uh, Yes, we are recapping Outer Banks Season 3. Full spoilers ahead for these two episodes, episodes 7 and 8. We've been talking two episodes at a time, dropping every other day over here on Post Show Recaps. So make sure you subscribe to the feed so you don't miss a minute of our coverage, postshowrecaps.com slash binge. And if you have a moment to rate and review, it makes a huge difference. Uh, <laughs> despite rate and review, despite everything that Sarah just said, um, oh, I did. No, look, we're a good, we're a good listen, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a good listen. Yes, uh, review and tell us what you thought about. Oh my gosh, that episode, episode seven and eight. Um, the the first episodes from my memory that sort of at least they both open. I don't think episode eight ends this way, but episode seven both opens and closes with uh, voiceover from Sarah herself. So it's sort of bookended with her perspective. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Not happy? Well, when I heard her voice in narration, I thought, great, because we've been asking all season for, you know, a Sarah-sense, a renaissance of this character, a stepping forward of this character, a taking agency of this character. And I thought, oh, great. But I have to say... Uh, particularly at the beginning of season eight, the self-pity is very strong with this one. And I have turned and gone completely plain on this character. And I am now going to change my name to Barracuda Mike because I Barracuda no longer Mike. wish to share a name with her. <laughs> How oh, about you? No. What were your thoughts? Yeah, um, I'm not happy about it. Look, here's my stance on cheating. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> well, don't do it. And if you are the cheated on, guess what? The person who promised to be faithful to you is the one that's at fault. The person that they cheated with never promised to be faithful to you. The person they cheated with has nothing to do with you and none of your business. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 yes, I I agree with that. I think that is very true. Unless you have a a previous relationship with them, if they're a friend or a sister. Right, right. I do feel like there there is a line where if 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 you know the person, you're friends, right? If they should respect the boundaries of your relationship. Yes. Now we're not talking about friends here when we're talking about Topper and John B. Um, I don't think that Topper is necessarily a hundred percent in the right when it comes to uh continuing to pursue Sarah despite her being in a relationship like that's also not very respectful of her but he's not the one who made the first move really she is presenting herself as not being in a relationship to him yes 
and John B took her from him in the first place. If we're going to start right. dealing yeah. with these yeah. female characters as objects to be owned, uh, taken, and passed between men, and this being their only, I'm, I'm going, Mary, I'm going. If the only uh, place for these women, these young women, is to be objects to be owned and to be passed around and to be the trigger for plot points that then the manly men get to go and be manly men about. <laughs> which is what happens to Sarah and to a lesser extent Kiara in episode seven and eight, which is the stemming, you may, lovely listeners, you may gather that that is why I am so angry. But yes, Topper does pursue her. He eventually does say he loves her. But every step of the way, she presents, Sarah presents herself as no longer in a relationship with John B as available. And she kisses him and, and makes moves on him. So, you know, and, and asks on, him for a favor. Right. And, and yeah, she's, she's abusing his caring about her to get favors out of it as well, um, which I don't appreciate. And while it was fun in the heist episode, because you have Sarah and all her friends messing with Topper the Outsider or, you know, he's thrown into this chaos that he's not used to. That can be fun. That can be funny. Um, what I don't like is the framing of the episode as Sarah being like, I only do these things because I don't know where I fit in. I'm not saying you don't have any struggles. Yes, you technically are homeless and without your, you know, don't want to be around your family right now. Uh, and your family tried to kill you. Those are all not great things. But, like, nobody is actually tapping into, like, the real societal infrastructure that's in place. If you are homeless and you have no one to go to, you, you go to an authority figure or a teacher or someone and, and you, you ask what you're supposed to do. Like, you don't just wander around the Outer Banks stealing beer from a... What was that like? I guess some sort of restaurant. The, <sighs> yeah, that's that's the bar where that bar where the kooks go, looking right. sad, pouting, your <sighs> blonde hair waving over your face. I mean, it's also it's like she's got two choices: should she be with Topper or should she be with John B? Uh, I think there are other choices, lady. You know, yes. you can make other choices. You can you can swear a no love contract like Cleo and Pope have, and look yes. how that's working out for them. But it's just that this idea that, yes, yeah, she doesn't know where she fits, but there are only two places that she can fit. And her placement and her fitting with either of those two places is entirely predicated on which boy she's going to be the girlfriend of. Right. This is such a swerve from two and a half seasons of, I mean, we we praised the first two seasons of giving the women agency. And yes, there was romance. Of course, there's romance and they want to kiss boys. And that's, that's completely fine. But that they had their own drives and they had their own wants and that they were action stars to, to the same extent that the boys were. And now it's like, Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to reduce them now to objects. And, in fact, when Sarah and Kiara finally talk, uh, they've been on a boat together, but apparently they didn't talk on the boat, but they sit on the, <laughs> sit on the, on the veranda of Kiara's house and talk. I thought, great. What do they talk about? Boys. Yep. Yeah, we we don't have much in the way of solo character development that we had hoped for. For sure. Yeah. In fact, uh, it's, it's backwards. It's, yeah. it's safe. They've gone backwards. So let's let's <sighs> get into it. Yeah. Um, yes, we I, must. <laughs> as we left off the previous episode, Sarah had been 
rescued by Topper to go to a beach party, uh, hang out there. Um, and uh, so they're now going to get breakfast together the next morning. But Kiara goes to the same restaurant to pick up some food and sees them there. Um, interestingly, Sarah is going to decide to leave with Kiara here. What did you think about this, though, about the choosing not to stay with Topper, but to actually go with Kiara? Well, my amusing line was, was going to be, I will never leave breakfast on the table. This to me is, is Sarah's greatest sin, that she leaves with Kiara uh, what, as their breakfast is arriving and she leaves it on the table. Terrible, terrible waste. Uh, but but, but plot-wise, I don't know. I mean, I'm... I'm thinking that the that the creators want us to think that Sarah's having second thoughts about Topper, that her relationship with Kiara is more important than her relationship with the boys, so yay, girl power, that Kiara's approbation, she turns away from them, she doesn't want to talk to them, cuts her deeper than leaving Topper a bit sad sack. So I think Kiara's boat being there is a way for Sarah to get out of a situation that she currently doesn't want to be in because as we know from the voiceover she doesn't know where she fits. <laughs> what about you Mary did this leaving with Kiara ring true for you? I think the part that does ring true is the fact that they were on a deserted island for a month together. I keep going back to that and thinking that's got to pond people. And I can imagine that I actually, the part I liked about it, I know we just spent a little while hating on Sarah's character in this episode, but the, the part I do like about it is other shows would drag this out and have the whole episode being about how Sarah can't even rely on her friend who she just, you know, spend a month on a deserted island with like I need I like the quick solve of you know what no I'm not gonna let this issue or misunderstanding or whatever happen I'm just gonna go with Kiara now I'm going to tell her confide in her ask for some advice I think maybe you know we, we she's got topper but she didn't have a ton of like close girlfriends on the kook side which we talked about last episode that the girls wanted information we're like oh that's so cool that you were like missing and everything and Kiara is the only one who can identify with the experience of what she's been through. So that's the yes, part I, like I liked that. about it. Yeah, and it's going to be a bit of a theme for the next uh, two episodes, if I can glean some good stuff, is that uh, the Pogues are all pretty much at odds, one with the other across pairs and trios and, and quartets. Uh, but we are going to get that idea of even if I'm mad with you, I'm going to help you. Uh, you know, uh, we'll we'll sort out our problem later while we solve this problem that we have together. And I like that, and I think that rings true to me as well. Because if you're friends, even if you're cross with them, you're going to, you know, you're going to help them. And it, it rings true for that, but it also rings true for they have some big serious things going on, kidnapping, running from the cops, etc. And you can't pause that to have a fight with your friends like you need yes. to get over some of those things yes uh, exactly so i appreciate that so uh meanwhile while we have the sarah and kiara plot going on um john b and jj <laughs> are trying to figure out a way how to <laughs> locate big john they know he's going to south america but that's it which i which i love where <laughs> jj says okay so where is he take where's sing taking your dad <laughs> john b just points on the map he says there jj goes you just pointed to the entirety of south america yes 
That's I like all. this. I like this. It, it's, it's that... take a day or two to search the whole continent. <laughs> there are puzzles and then there are puzzles within puzzles. And again, look, the humor of Outer Banks always it rings very true because it often comes from the relationships that these young people have to each other. And uh, we are going to get a get a an absolute 10 out of 10 physical comedy of uh, JJ in a minute of JJ and Big John, but uh, sorry, JJ and Little John. <laughs> uh, John B. both trying to hide under the same fairly small table when uh, Sheriff <laughs> Shoot comes to, and it's so beautifully done. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, I was lifted out of my fog and I thought, okay, all right, you got me. Yeah, that, that part. There, there's a lot of good JJ and uh, John B in this episode. Um, but first, before they do that, they yeah, they so they're on this hunt and they go they go back to the professor's house who got killed with the blow dart or whatever. Um, they find a piece of paper that has I can't. It was the paper that had the drawing of the um, no nomen. The what was it gateway, called? Yeah, yeah, the nomen, the, the signpost the... thing. Um, yes, and. Uh, they uh, there's also some great JJ uh, commentary of him just like eating I don't know a chicken or a turkey or something out of the fridge yes. <laughs> talking about he well he's, want he wants to search away. the fridge he wants right. to search the fridge because nobody searches the fridge. nobody ever searches the fridge right <laughs> right um, and uh, and yeah so he th- that's all happening they find the drawing they find a newspaper article and he remembers that one piece of information those key last the last word that Sal said which was Neville. And he's like, wait a second, which is what we predicted last time. Neville's probably the fifth person, the one who hasn't died yet. Um, one so of our predictions go. came true. Good right. for us. <laughs> so they they go they go find Neville, and and we have a kind of interesting um, scene on the like a, a sort of fight chase scene on the boat. Um, I would like to to point out here that despite the fact that the two men coming after Neville on the houseboat are openly shooting guns into the house. Uh, you know, just and things like that. John B, unlike his father, does not murder them, but just pushes them off into the water. Both John B yeah. and JJ do not try to. They, they're just trying to uh, get get away from the people. They're not trying to actually harm them. Um, yes. No, you know, I, I think that there's if someone's shooting a shotgun at you, you probably have uh, some, you know, uh, do. I, I guess you 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 have you you have the uh, the self defense you know to go back to on that, but I just think it shows where John B is in terms of outright murdering people. Um, yeah, you know, he shows I mean, more, it shows more violence to Topper than he does these guys. Yes, <laughs> and JJ, you know, which yeah. is to come. But I I absolutely loved uh, JJ with the machete held pirate wise between his teeth that that i absolutely love that and then at one point he just throws the machete to john b who catches it by the handle luckily so i love the chaos this is almost like original outer banks uh this sort of chaotic action-packed slightly comedic with the danger added so we have these two sas men from carlos shooting shotguns we have the frightened neville who thinks that it's an evil place and everyone's going to die and doesn't want to help them and we have the two boys jumping in the water cutting ropes throwing uh, machetes pushing big strong men off boats i like this scene there's a very nice set piece here Yes, it was fun. I, I liked this one. Um, I like that that Neville gets to escape. <laughs> we don't we don't see much after they get off the boat after talking with Neville. Um, but it's pretty fun. And, and did they even get 
any info from Neville? Oh, yes. That he told them directions on where to go and uh, who the riverboat guide is that should should help them once they get there. So yes, we did get right. something from them. Um, and that it's evil and that the gold will kill you unless you pass the test. Right. And the right. test is a puzzle. Yeah. Um, what do you think the puzzle is going to be? Solve the gnomon. I think Pope and Cleo. Well, Cleo, I think Cleo found the the answer to the puzzle it's either that or it's you know who are you and what do you want (laughs) or do you think the puzzle's good what is the test I don't know I mean I I think that is probably part of it I feel like the test also probably has something to do with like like he said you need to keep your heart and mind pure like maybe the part of it is that you need to somehow prove that you're not there you're there for discovery you're not there for greedy means to take the gold yes. i don't know well in the next episode uh, john b is going to say i don't want the gold uh, i'm there for my father and jj is making yeah i don't know about yeah, that face you know, isn't like it little, yeah, maybe gold. a little bit of gold yeah 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 uh yeah so um meanwhile we've got rafe <laughs> yeah i don't know there's like a montage of him selling the gold from the cross and all of that and uh, i don't <sighs> I'm just so mad that he he melted it down. And Ward is also mad. Ward is furious. I mean, twice as angry as I was about the treatment of these female characters. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, I, I, I get it that Rafe feels like, oh, well, yeah, but we can't, like, do anything with the cross. <laughs> we can't make money from the cross. Although but- Rose... Rose found a way to make money, which was to take it as a tax loss by donating it. You know, you have so much gold. You don't need the money from this. I mean, I guess Rafe does now if he gets cut off from Ward. I don't know, but he feels it's his. He feels that he worked very hard to get the cross. It's Even though his. he didn't, all he did no. was just take it from the Pogues. He didn't do anything to get the Pogues it. Pogues did all the work to find it. Uh, including finding, if you remember, the angel, the spirit tree where uh, De- uh, Denmark Tanny had buried his his best treasure, yeah, which Pope turned out was to be the one who wife. almost died from the wasps or whatever it was. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but you know, he feels anything. it's his, and he feels that Ward has been high handed. So he has he has a very he's very blinkered Rafe. Where yes. we're very much we're in episode seven and eight now. There is no redemption arc for Rafe. Nope. Um, yeah, he was a disappointment. <laughs> not not gonna lie. Oh uh, well. Um, and it, yeah, we we've got. So speaking of Ward, we also have like the whole Wheezy message. Were you fooled by that at all? By by Wheezy sending the voice well, memo. Well, no. I mean, and I'm glad that I wasn't because Sarah wasn't either. Because yes. when she does go to meet who she suspects is going to be Ward, uh, she has already called the police. And so if I had believed it was Wheezy, I would have had a bit of whiplash thinking, oh, why didn't Sarah believe it was Wheezy? What about you? Yeah, I, I thought at first I felt like, okay, well, this is very clearly a trap. Um, I wasn't sh- I wasn't sure that, that Sarah was going to be aware of that. But, so I'm glad that she was um so yeah when she goes to 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 meet her dad um at the condo that they also own nearby i mean i'm i'm not surprised they own multiple property i'm just trying to figure out when would they ever use the condo 
it's a, maybe it's a rental property. Maybe it's one of the properties that Ward mentioned on the phone to Rafe when he was instructing him to sell the rental property. Oh, that, that would make sense if Hill, it's a rental so, property. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like a memory is coming back to me from season one Ooh. where Rafe was staying somewhere that wasn't the family house, but I can't remember if it was a friend's house. Or if he was staying, I just felt like he was staying somewhere else for a while. It yes, and so maybe it was this. Property. Maybe it was either this condo, or, or we just are uh, to believe that there are so many properties. There would be one that was vacant. Yeah, that's also possible. Um, so yeah, when she goes to meet Ward, like you said, she she called the police, called them to to come next door so that they would be in earshot if she yelled. Um, I was glad about that. I was glad to see. I mean, both. Both of Ward's children put him in his place in this episode. And I think the Sarah one, the, the thing that I was frustrated with is that I like that she was, you know, saying, no, you stay over there. He's he's not as much of a physical presence now that he has the cane. He's clearly not walking or moving as quickly. So she could probably get away from him. But the fact that he says, basically i i know why you're upset with me you know i've done things wrong he never outright says i'm sorry for trying to kill you i will never do that more again. than once it was a horrible <laughs> he he never brings that up he just says i'm sorry i love you don't you know that i love you and i'm like i'm gonna need you to at least verbalize and recognize the horrific thing that you did to me and even then i'm probably never gonna feel safe around you again Oh, I mean, how could you? I mean, the thing is, he says he's a changed man. He's reborn. He's in his atonement era. Uh, and when Sarah says, well, you should give the gold back to the Pogues, he says, well, I suppose I could give them some, which just tells you exactly how far this atonement is going to go, i.e. not yeah. very far. And what he even says is, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. yeah. And, and I know that there are people in – you know, the, the real world who have to deal with children of parents who've committed crimes and their complicated relationships with them while they're in, whether they're incarcerated or if they've, um, you know, or have uh, been released um, and, and how that can affect their relationship. But this is not just Sarah's relationship with her father, who is a murderer. This is Sarah's relationship with her father, who's a murderer and also has tried to kill both her and her boyfriend on multiple times, stolen from her hurt her, lied to her, so many things. Drugged her. Drugged her. her. Mm -hmm. Right. All of these things, uh, I just don't know that I would be able to get past that personally. And I know that when we did yes. our season two podcast, I talked about how it doesn't go unsaid enough, or it doesn't, it, it doesn't get said enough, it goes unsaid, about how complicated the the john b and sarah relationship is when her father has tried to kill his dad and him multiple times uh tried to frame him for murder and and so many other things that you you know that this whole relationship cannot work if sarah's on good terms with her father at all um, absolutely absolutely so, yeah. And there's a moment, there's a moment where Ward, well, he sort of whisper talks most of this scene, but he says, so angry. And I thought, yeah, yeah, because not only of what you did, but as you say, quite rightly, Mary, because you have never apologized. 
and it seems like it's that it's, he can't even really admit it to himself. Like, yes, Rafe yes. and Ward have both said, not even to Sarah, just to each other, like, oh, I know I regret some things. I've done some things. Say it. Say it out loud, the thing that you did that is tearing your family apart. But, mm-hmm. oh, well. Or, you know, multiple things, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, I did. I did like this scene. Um, I liked that Sarah held her own a little bit here. He does give her a key to the condo and a credit card. So now she's not homeless anymore. Um, I was half expecting the Pogues to like throw a party there or at least come crash (laughs) there. But that didn't happen. So I don't don't know. Um, They might have to after the events at the end of uh, episode eight, but we'll get there. Yeah, maybe. Um, We do get uh, one of my one of my favorite scenes where um, Cleo and, and Pope's dad uh, are chatting and working together and and she's like oh I've got a like recipe that'll help your <laughs> your business and he's like yeah that's oh, cool and then she pair. sort of acts like Pope's mom and is like yeah you go get straight A's at school because Pope's going going back to school going to school on the weekends so good for him uh, yes because he like can't that. go to the advanced class he has to go to the not advanced class and draw a triangle on his piece of paper yeah I'm a little uh, I'm a little confused about he he sort of realizes, okay, El Dorado, the cross, merchant gold, those are all connected to Denmark Tanny. It's taken him a long time to figure that out, but okay. And so he goes to talk to the uh, history teacher. I thought the history teacher had gone into hiding. Why is the history teacher back at school? Yes, I was surprised <laughs> to see the history teacher. I think they needed to go back to the show Bible because the history teacher walking around <laughs> in the free air doesn't quite make sense because uh, he was he was the key to the diary. I, I'm surprised that Pope is walking around in free air. Like I'm surprised that Singh hasn't figured out that Pope is a descendant of Denmark Tanny. I'm surprised by a lot of this. He um, has fr- friends and eyes everywhere. Yeah, yeah, not not enough, I guess. I don't, I don't. It's like, why, why are they sending people after Neville when they already have Big John? It's, it's like they just want to tie up all the loose ends, but they're not tying up the loose end of the teacher. I guess maybe it's because the teacher doesn't seem to really have any interest in the treasure hunt. It just sort of he happened to find find the diary. I don't even remember how he found the diary. Uh, history teacher, history something something reasons. Right. Yes. Of course. Of course. Um. Anyway. So then uh, he, but he does give Pope the helpful tip of, well, have you haven't you looked at your own like family archives? Which is a very fun way of saying, have you looked in the garage? I love. Of course, a history teacher would say your family archives, and of course, it would be all the crap that's in boxes in the uh, in the garage behind used mattresses I mean it was lovely lovely little touch yeah I don't think I, I was trying to think about if my family had any sort of like like I don't think we have a family we certainly don't have a family tree drawn out on parchment just like loosely sitting on top <laughs> of a box like put that like I said put that in laminate it put it in a filing folder come on these are historical artifacts here um, but does it go under t for tree or f for family tree <laughs> i think i think f for family tree i, I bow to your greater knowledge I don't know. I, I did. So I, I was thinking about that, but I did actually find I was visiting my grandparents recently and my uh, grandfather's uncle had um, passed away recently and and 
he when he, they were cleaning out his house, they found a bunch of old reels and a um, uh, projector. So they were able to project some of these old reels of the early, I don't even know, 19... 19- 40 i ooh, i should not just guess at numbers that i don't know <laughs> i don't know when when we're when uh hmm. well how old is your how old is your grandfather my grandfather is close to 80 so and it was his uncle was... who was at least 10 years older than him mm-hmm. so the 1930s then because my grand my grandfather was born in the 19th century wow yeah yeah so i mean he's he's long dead but uh, yeah, the the idea that you know you can stretch back and touch uh, not just one, not just last century, but the one before is kind of it's kind of weird. Yes, um, most of the footage, as it turned out, was of fields and cows, mm-hmm. um, so not as much interaction with people. But at the time, it must have seemed very exciting to be yes. able to <laughs> record that. Um, yes, yes, which is yes. is probably where my family got its a. Uh, it's love of cows. I like to see that that has not just started with my my yes. nuclear family. Well, you you had to be the the cows had to be protected from you, as I recall. <laughs> yeah, yes, from me trying to to mess with the cow. I wasn't going to hurt them. I was just sort of like mm, yelling. So at them. you say that? <laughs> yes, that's also when we discovered that cows can swim. When we were trying to run away and hop in a boat, and the cows started coming after us in the water. We're like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> so that was your that was your finding out period then. Yes, it was. It was. We discovered <laughs> that. Oh my gosh. Well, um, yeah. So so Pope and and Cleo are gonna gonna look through the archives where they conveniently find a unopened letter to Denmark uh, Tanny's daughter who if we remember from season two um, uh, was a uh, was a slave or a servant of um, the Limbry household yes I think Um, and uh, he had sent her so Clarice Tanny he had sent her a code to decode the gnomon that Big John is currently trying to decode would be very helpful just to have this very handy key that's like picture word, picture yes. word. Yes, yes, yeah. very nicely laid out. And there's a lot of, you know, what is it, what is it? Well, it's a, it's a translation, it's translating code, I think. Yeah, it seems mm. pretty obvious. But I think, I think at this point, Pope and Cleo don't realize, they. I don't think they saw the, the gnomon at any point and they don't realize that um it, 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 it doesn't instantly jump in their mind oh that's this is that's absolutely true yes because <laughs> big, big john. john told john b not to tell any of them the gnomon is with big john who is with carlos trekking to the orinoco yes. so the rest of the pogues have only heard the story from john b right. yes that makes complete sense yes and and even though so i don't know did you look up how far away um that is from the Outer Banks. Like, could, is it a, a easy boat ride? <laughs> I was going to, but I'm assuming it's a week because that's how long Carlos gave right. Big John to translate it. So basically, uh, you have the week that it's going to take us to get to the mouth of the Orinoco. I'm a little surprised Venezuela. he didn't mm. charter a plane. Flying under the radar, uh, is he a wanted man elsewhere? I mean, he rules Well, I mean, Barbados. I'm sure this thing has access to private planes, but maybe maybe mm. he is wanted. We don't know. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't well, really they are going to they are going to need a boat once they get to Venezuela because they've got to go up the Orinoco. So. Right, right. Mm. So maybe this is just easier that way. Um, it suits and... the plot, Mary. What? Do you want? <laughs> I don't know. I just was interested. Um, and then, uh, so Kiara and and Sarah are at Kiara's uh, mother's party, which based on. I don't I don't know based on the title of this episode is it an anniversary party for Kiara's it's an, parents it's an anniversary party for the restaurant because they oh right had the anniversary party and then they said 15 years and I thought hold on Kiara's at least 16 yes but then it was that the restaurant has been right. uh, open for 15 years so good for them question mark it was a bit weird because again happy anniversary we've had titles that relate to more than one thing in the episode. I don't know that happy anniversary. But look, you know, we're the only ones looking at the titles, I think. Also, now I may be wrong. This may mm-hmm. be completely something I made up. Oh, good. I thought Kiara moved to the Outer Banks somewhat recently because wasn't she, like, she was first a kook but then, like, quickly hopped over to the Pogues? Mm. I don't mm-hmm. know. I felt like there was some sort of story about how she was friends with Sarah, but then, like, why Why is she hanging out with the Pogues now? I don't remember Kiara's backstory. <laughs> P- Pogues, Pogues have more fun. Well, I no, guess. because because when she was, like, Kiara's newer. mother got pregnant to a Pogue. Right, so yes. they have to have always been there. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'll look this up. Watching this third season has made me really want to go back and watch the first two. I feel like I'll yes. appreciate it more. Um, yes. I don't know. But yeah, so the, the party's going fine, except Kiara's acting a little weird. Like Sarah will tell her, no, stay with me. Don't leave me to be around Topper. And then Kiara just walks away and is like, whoops, she, I didn't see anything. Yes, yes. She wants, I don't know if she's trying to stir up trouble or more likely she just wants everything figured out so she doesn't have to deal with the drama. She is a no drama lady, uh, Kiara. No. But when, uh, when JJ and... um. Uh, little John show up. Uh, Kiara does tell JJ that she loves him, so that's pretty. Big. Yes, the first we've heard of it, and he does not return the favor. I think he says thanks. That's good info right now, or something like that. He's like, well, that's yes. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But uh... and then and then he unilaterally says it's not going to work and turns his back on her. Yeah. Oh, JJ, you just don't know when you've got it good. Nope. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really need any more of the self pity from JJ. Um, mm-hmm. It's just. I don't not need helpful. the self pity from any of them. So, yeah, yeah it's just yeah. it's and, excruciating. But uh, things things are going better with them than they are with the love triangle because Sarah. Okay, I appreciate the fact that she's honest and does immediately tell John B that she cheated on him. Um, appreciate that. And uh, John B says it's over, we're done, which I can understand in the moment, but also maybe like, I don't know. You also are at fault. I mean, the first thing that happens is he does apologize for keeping secrets from her. Yeah. I just feel like it should be a, you know what? I can't deal with this right now. We need to talk about this later. Like we mm-hmm. can, we can break up, but I'm not going to storm out and whatever. Like, let's just. But but they're they're teenagers. They're not allowed to have logical reactions. Yes, as as, as discussed many times when we said this is what they should do, and then we go ah, teenagers. 
And then we need to complicate things because John B. really needs to be getting to South America. So we need to put some hindrances in front of him. So uh, we need to make him have uh, issues with the law, which is why he's going to uh, pretty brutally beat up Topper. And I think Topper passes out and he continues to beat him up. This is a very interesting point because, uh, you know, he, he refrained from killing the other men. He doesn't want to be like his father. He's having thoughts. He's growing up. But it is said more than once that he continued to beat Topper after he was unconscious on the uh, decking. So this is this is not good. This is not good. Yes, very, very not good. Um in fact, I, he punches him so hard that the speakers of the band feed back and the kooks just shake their heads in disapproval. Stop shaking your heads in disapproval and do something to help the poor boy that's bleeding and unconscious on the decking. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, do you think that uh, – do you think that – that we could have expected John B to not immediately go after, like to hold any restraint. I'm not saying not, not beat him up. I think that he shouldn't have done that, but it, the, the um, doing it at the party in front of everyone, it just seems like a very like reckless move. Like he's got to know. It feels very season one. It feels very yeah. season one, John B. And I know that it's been continuous time, but there has been character growth and they have done all manner of things. And Topper is not even a small bad in the pantheon of bads that they have faced against. So it, it, it does feel like a plot device to keep him from going to South America rather than something that he might actually do. Yes, he's worried about his father. Yes, he's hurt that Sarah would. She said they kind of hooked up. I don't speak teenage, so I'm not sure if that's kissing or... I don't know what they're implying here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they did They did spend the night together and there was sort of a somewhat guilty look the next morning. I don't know what that means. Uh, over breakfast, they were certainly acting post-coitally, so... Yeah. Perhaps we're supposed to glean. But later when there is some sexy times on offer, uh, Sarah's taking her top off, which we didn't see before. Right. So, But nonetheless, whether it's kissing or otherwise, it's still cheating. And she feels bad and he's annoyed, so he beats Topper into a pulp. Topper yeah. claims he held back. This is my – well, he, he did. Topper, I, whether because he just didn't want to get into a fight at the he was trying to present as the good guy there in this at this party or because he truly did feel guilty does not fight back at all um my my other thing about this scene was that up until this point i've really liked topper at the end of season two and throughout this season i i think that he's shown growth and maturity and change and he's almost sort of this kind of you know he's not very exciting but but he is he is sweet to sarah and he is he does seem sort of polite and nice it's only around john b that he then turns into the sort of season 1 topper where where he uh he sort of yeah he doesn't fight back against john b but he eggs him on when john b starts storming over to him he could say look look john b i'm so sorry i it's you know I, I know I, I overstepped. Thought broken up, or yeah, you know, he could have said anything like it's that. All but my instead, fault. he's it's not sort of fault, like, yeah. mm. he's sort of like, yeah, Jumpy, walk away. Yeah, you, yeah, you turn. Like I've got her, or whatever. Like he said, I can't remember what it was, but it was something like that. Some little yes. snide, you know. And and I just feel like, come on, Topper, we're better than that. We're, you're doing so much better. 
He's on the turn. He's turning back. Yep. So of course they've got to, they've got to get out of there. Um, and, uh, the other, the other thing we didn't really talk about with this episode yet is the through line with Barry, your favorite character and, uh, and Rafe and how Barry gives Rafe some interesting advice here, uh, about how to handle Ward. What did you think about you that? You will never be free while Ward is around. Get rid of him. Very good advice. <laughs> well, and he does, he does bring up a point, which is, if you're on good terms with your father, then things are okay. Your father protected you by by making the public think that he had had killed Sheriff Peterkin, which you did, Rafe. If you say, screw you, Dad, I'm going to take the business and take the cross and all this stuff, there is nothing stopping your father. If you're cutting ties with your father, there's nothing stopping him from saying, okay, actually, you know what? I don't want to be a wanted man anymore. I've decided that I'm just going to you know, and I wouldn't put it past Ward to have saved some sort of proof that Rafe oh, was the one who killed people. A hundred percent, a hundred. From what we know of Ward, he always has an insurance policy. I, I almost hope that I know we didn't talk about episode eight yet, but if you're listening, I'm sure you've seen it. Um, I'm almost hoping in episodes nine and ten we see Ward turn a little bit of the evil back on. He's too, he's too wilted. You know, he's he's like. He's not the ward that I want. Like he's yes. kind of he's threatening to Rafe, but he's not. Um, he's got no he's got no bite to back up he's, his bark. He's he got has right restraint. Now. It's like yeah. yes, the Pope the Pope's gonna have some money. Yes, we'll talk about it. So there's little hints of it. Yes, uh, once we finish talking about episode eight, I'd love to talk about because we have not seen nine and ten. What our predictions things. and hopes are for for nine and ten. Yep. Well, before we get to that, of course, we need to talk about the next episode. But first, let's take a quick break. We're going to step away real quick, uh, hit up a boat party, and, and then we'll be right back. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. All right. Well, it was was no impressive White House, but at least they had some cheap beer and, uh, you know, a nice live band. What did you think of the band? Oh, I I liked the band. The feedback in particular was very nice. I saw everybody I wanted to see. I did some air kisses. I drank some beer. Now we're back. Now we're back. We're back. We're good. Uh, In comparison to episode seven, I really liked episode eight. Yes. yes, yes, Episode eight was, was more fun. It does start with the... (laughs) <laughs> you wrote, oh, my God, the self-pity is excruciating. <laughs> well, I just come off episode seven and I didn't realize that episode <laughs> eight was going to come good. I'm going to say here and now, episode seven of season three is the absolute worst episode of the entire three seasons really? of The Outer Banks. And it's not even close. I think it's I think it's not great. I think episode four Oh, wait, no, was for the heist? No, I don't remember. Whichever one was the one before the heist that was boring. 
Yes. Boring is fine. Betraying your characters. That's that's yeah. what that's where I that's where I get mad. But yes, oh my god, the self-pitying is excruciating. I wrote because of Sarah's voiceover, but everything's just about to get going. We're about to start running around again. We don't crash any vehicles, but we oh we almost crash a vehicle. We almost Sorry, crash a vehicle. Sorry, we almost crash a vehicle, uh, which is so uh, we're back, we're back where we should be with the pogues on the run. I think the other thing I was really frightened of was that episode seven was a way of leaving the the girls behind, leaving the young women behind so that Sarah and Kiara would not go to South America. And that made me doubly mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am, I am spoiler. They're all going to South America as far as we know. Yeah. Uh, but I thought there was an idea of like, let's sideline them. We don't know what to do with them. We'll leave them on the outer banks and the boys can go and have an adventure. But it's pretty, uh, it becomes pretty plain that the plan is for all of them to go. And we know how the Pogues plans work out. Okay, there are some good plans <laughs> in this episode. There are some good JJ plans. JJ has some great plans. Yes. For for and what I by that I mean there are some classic JJ plans. <laughs> whether, mm. they, whether they're good or not. Um so so Shoop has decided he's just not even gonna bother with John B. He just puts a tracker on the Twinkie. Oh loved uh, it. He's like, it's loved fine. It. It's we've fine. always we've always liked Shoop. We were worried about him in uh, that that he would turn corrupt and then he has a moment where he is a he could choose the dark side and he choose the he chose the lawful side and we've been uh, we've been pro shoop ever since yes uh, just, like despite shoop. him despite him being an antagonist for the pogues he's an antagonist uh, who we can get behind right because he's not like <laughs> trying to he's not corrupt he's not trying to swindle the pogues he's just like john b you like punched a dude who lights out at a party you can't do that in front of like, everybody to, you can't do that <laughs> can't do that yeah so uh jj and, and john b they need they, they're here's part one of the plan we got to get to south america so the plan is we're gonna go to to J. I love that JJ has all these connections, right? Like in the previous episode, he knew one guy with the last name Purseau and just assumes that he's related to Neville. Turns out he is. It was very convenient. And then in this episode, he's like, "I got a plan." <laughs> John B goes, "It's not with Barracuda Mike, right?" And he's like, "No, no, hey Barracuda Mike." <laughs> so um, Barracuda Mike, it looks like is is some sort of drug dealer as well, and uh, has a plane that comes in from South America. Uh, and they need to unload the bales of weed from the back of the the plane but when they which seems like a pretty straightforward safe gig i'm not sure why barracuda mike is paying anyone to do this because it does not seem particularly difficult or even pay for their silence i think he used but to why pay does he JJ's need help he can't, he can't do it himself him and whoever the pilot is it just seems like I don't know. It says that he, that JJ says that uh, his his father used to do this and one time mm-hmm. got ten thousand dollars. It just seems extremely high, but it might have been ten thousand to keep you going. I, I think there's might be a speed element that the plane ah. lands and you want to get all that weed into the back of the U-Haul, which I'm assuming is a rented truck. I mean, you're a drug dealer, buy your yes. own truck. Yes, it's a it's a rented truck, and I guess the idea is that actually I don't know what the idea is because. Why would you rent a truck when then it's tied to your name and mm. I don't know. And maybe oh, they I think use this, fake identity. This particular shipment has to go to Elizabeth, so that might be uh, sort of out of out of the usual plan. Maybe. So plan has changed, and when they arrive, uh, JJ and John B are are told, "No, actually, you're going to be driving the U-Haul." 
and you, you need to drive it. We've got a small window. Um, there is a very annoying fight between John B and JJ where <laughs> JJ is nervous because they have to drive past a cop and he's like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna wave. I'm just gonna do a little quick wave. It's gonna be fine. It's like, no, no, don't wave at the cop. And then they fight and John B grabs the steering wheel for some reason and the car swerves, which is of course going to notify the police i think either not waving or waving would have both been less bad than swerving right in front of him yes so and then escaping yeah. and then almost crashing the u-haul and then yeah, diving into a river and then walking you just you're gonna go back to barracuda mike having left, well, they left a the twinkie U-haul there full of a u-haul full of weed yeah they left yes. the twinkie um, I love when they get back, they get into a little quick fight by the Twinkie, but that's when Shoop shows up and he's like, boys, come on. I put a tracker on you. Like, wait, really? Like, come yes. on. Yes. <laughs> Jumpy, you got to go to, you got to go to jail. Let's, let's yes. go. We're taking you downtown. Um, so that was. I, I that think was they're going to have to face Barracuda Mike at some point, but uh, not just yet. Not in this episode. Not just yet, but also Barracuda Mike. You should not have trusted these two with the more crucial. I know it's the more risky job, but it's also the more crucial job. And I think no matter who is driving that, if they drive by a cop car and they're going to start chasing them, they're going to bail out. Like this is, they're not going down with the ship. So you can't really expect anyone to do that. Um, Gosh, it was funny though. Uh, I wanted, they also mentioned something that I had forgotten about, which was, I think a season two plot point that, uh, when John B was locked up and JJ was going to try th- th- stole an ambulance and was going to try to get him get him yes. out, which is another connection that JJ knew. It was like JJ's cousin or something. Yes, <laughs> JJ, JJ's got peep, got men He's, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think I've I've always disliked JJ from episode one when he pulls the gun out at the beach party and I'm like, oh, this this guy is going to be too much to handle. He's too he goes rogue too quickly or he goes goblin mode. He goes quickly. goblin mode, yes. Um, but I've grown I've grown to like him. I've got I don't quite have the soft spot you do, but I'm- a huge soft spot. I think enormously because of the wonderful young actor who who plays him. He's the youngest of the ensemble, and uh, what is it twenty eight? Rudy Rudy who I believe was only twenty when all this started. So he's still oh, in wow. his in his early twenties. Uh, yes, but I think he imbues what who what could be a very repellent character. Twenty four with some charm. Oh, oh twenty four. There you go. Yeah, that's how uh, old. Some, that's how old he is now, at least. But yes, yes, yes. Interesting. Yeah, he um. He, they're all very talented. I mean, clearly Drew Starkey, who plays Rafe, is is very talented to be uh, just that horrible. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, I'm. I like them all except Sarah. I mean, it's partly the direction and partly what she's given. But you can't just standing around. You can't just stand around pouting. I'm sorry, it's not that's enough. Her whole character. It's, it's her whole it's character, whereas, you know, Kiara is as underwritten as she is and there's a feist there, there's a spark, there's a liveliness to, uh, to that actor whose name is Madison Bailey. Yes. Uh, and she also is one, I remember she and she and Rudy are the two youngest of, of this group and there's just an aliveness there uh, and I just kept thinking with Sarah, look, I'm not going to spend this entire episode bashing Sarah, <laughs> but I just, I just want to say spark up, spark up. Spark mm-hmm. up, even with what you're given, you could turn it, you could have a liveliness when you're asking Topper for favors, when you're deciding that you want to go with Kiara, like make it positive. This uh, 
done. I'm done. I'm finished. I promise. Uh, now I'm looking up everybody's ages. It looks like, <laughs> interestingly, the John B. actor is the oldest out of all of them, including the Rafe actor. Um, so that's that's very interesting. Potentially the, oh, wow. And the the actor who plays Barry is quite young. That that one's a little more surprising. 25. Well, you know, I love I love Barry. Okay. Anyway, good for them. Um, I, I, there's only one who's older than me. So that's, this is where we're at. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah. You, you, the, you yourself could pass for 16, I'm sure. Oh, yes. I've got quite the, I would be a great, like, need a high school student actor because I've got quite the baby face. I, I was mm-hmm. asked just today what school I'm currently attending. So, uh-huh. was, was, oh, 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 Lord. I'm 10 years out of my high school graduation so we're we're good uh, um enough enough about me and my age though so the yeah the whole the whole shoot uh plot line with taking john b in is also happening in parallel with sarah and topper because topper's mother is going to press charges against john b of course and at first when you hear her on the phone you're like thank goodness he doesn't have, you know, a brain injury or anything, um, concussion. And, and I think we as the audience are like, oh my gosh, what state is Sarah going to find him in when she goes over to apologize? Uh, no, he's like, he's lifting weights. He's fine. Yeah. He, he barely a scratch. <laughs> yes. He doesn't even have like a broken nose, barely just a little bit of redness around the eye. He looks fine. He looks absolutely fine. <laughs> I'm not saying what John B. did was okay, but I'm saying, and, it, and it, it was weird because it was implying that he was lifting weights in order to look like he could take John B. Because he's like, now my reputation is ruined. People are going to think that I can't even <laughs> take John B. <laughs> it was very, it was a funny scene. Um, so John uh, Topper's mom wants Sarah to come and basically prove prove her loyalty to Topper and this side by um, going into court and uh, saying, you know, being a witness. I feel like Sarah could pretty easily just tell both Topper and his mom, like, look, I think that what John B. did was wrong. Clearly, I have a complicated position here of being the one who was in the middle. And also my role of cheating on John B., I think, is partially to blame here. So respectfully i don't think that i'm going to be able to go to court because i'm kind of kind of in the middle here i hope you can understand that i'm sorry but it's not like this is like some sort of murder trial that hinges on her being there there were plenty of other witnesses everybody saw it but mary that that's that that's a very reasoned thing to say <laughs> you've got two things working against that one teenagers and the other plot the plot requires that she go to the police station (laughs) yeah yeah well uh so she's going to go and meet up with with topper and pull the oh topper i care about you card once again um and saying we just need we just need one day to make this all you know go away because then john b could go rescue his dad which I guess Topper is like fine with. I don't know. Well, he'll be off the island forever. But what I don't understand is that the warrant had already been issued and John B is at the police station and Topper and Mrs. Topper and Sarah are going in, I'm assuming, just to make statements. I mean, it is the next day. So so it's, that, that makes sense. 
But them waiting a day to press charges, they should already have pressed charges if there was a warrant. So I think there's a little bit of of uh, legal, 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 legal law, law reasons I'm, here. I'm going to assume that Shoup gave some sort of uh, restrictions to John B. Like, you can't leave your house, etc. I will be checking in on you if you're not back here tomorrow or what. I don't know. Something. Uh, yes. Um, okay. I'm mm-hmm. also... Some more plot points here with, like, I think... Does anyone know that Big John is alive? Like, no one but the Pogues. Oh, no, they... No, hang on, hang on. Has anyone seen Big John? Like... Because you think if... if, uh, Oh, I think, yes, the news... The news had that. I couldn't... Yeah, I can't remember if the news said it or not. But regardless... If the new if the news did say it, then we have a a plot hole with this would have been a perfect opportunity for John B to have a scene with Shoot being like, look, my father is in big trouble and he's my guardian and I don't know. It said something, clued in someone to any of this. It doesn't happen, which makes me wonder if they know. I, I believe that probably at least some of the children have told their parents, maybe Pope's parents know. I don't know. Pope's parents seem a little more relaxed at this point with the whole treasure hunt. So yeah. I'm not really sure. I think it falls in with the fact that right from the beginning of season one, these children, these teenagers have never, ever gone to a responsible adult when they're in trouble. There's always been that idea of we will fix it. We will fix it, which to me rings very true for teenagers and the teenage brain and also conveniently helps this plot. But Sarah appeals to Topper. You said you're doing anything for me if you wait a day to press charges john b will be off the island he may never return and i will stay on the island and topper at this moment says that he loves her there's a lot of that going around she doesn't say anything she doesn't say anything but she does say i will see you tonight um yeah which does not happen and this is the second time i get mad at topper because um well, first off, don't ever talk to Rafe. Just don't, like, don't, Topper, what has being around Rafe ever done to help you? Nothing. Nothing. If you remember back from season one, getting involved with Rafe and the drugs and all of that is part of the reason that Sarah broke up with you in the first place. So maybe just don't ever talk to Rafe. But Rafe is, of course, like, he's predisposed based on his father preference to not like sarah so he's like come on topper that girl is playing you yes he s talks her yes he does quite Mm. a lot so um and then we'll we'll circle back to the uh climactic ending (laughs) but um before before we get there uh did any of the other plot points interest you from this episode um I like carlos and john and uh big john on the river Mm -hmm. i like that we get some backstory from Carlos that his ancestors were uh, hired to uh, help on expeditions and then became enslaved. And so he has some bitterness there, which I really like. I like their discussion. Apparently Big John had a promising academic career, which is something we've gleaned. I think it's retrofitted for this season, I but so. I don't I don't mind it. And I like their sort of strange companionable manliness as if they're men of the same cloth and now that we know that big john is quite happy to just shoot someone in cold blood and and drop their bodies over the uh, side 
in his obsession with this hunt for the gold. And Carlos is cut from the same cloth. And I like that. I like these moments where, uh, and here's here's a thing, it's not necessarily in the writing, but it's in the playing of these two very watchable actors. And they have they have assumed and show this relationship that's growing as they both have the same idea in mind. They recognise themselves in each other, but they're also a bit wary of each other because they could do each other down at, at any moment. So I liked that. It was very brief. Uh, I'm putting a lot of weight on a very brief scene, but I, I saw all of that. What did you think about Big John's uh, insistence that the reason he got into the treasure hunting in the beginning was actually just for something that would bond him and his son? Because Bullshit. I, I, well, I think that that could be a reason of why he got into it in the beginning, but I think that it's it's BS to say that that's why he's still doing it. We talked mm-hmm. a lot in our last podcast about how Big John is clearly putting his son in danger, not caring about the effects that his choices are having on his son and his son's life. So uh, I don't appreciate that anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, they, and they've solved so many of the mysteries uh, everything that they've ever found has been taken from them. Uh, Big John himself was was left for dead on an island, was in captivity, and had returned to their home at the Outer Banks. That was the moment to say, yeah, I think we've bonded enough now. <laughs> let us now have our quiet life and let the treasure hunters have their treasure. Uh, and this is not something that he is prepared to do. So, because yeah. This isn't even like one of those um, stories where – you can't let the bad guy get the treasure because he's going to do something really bad and it's going to destroy the world. It's like you're just preventing a rich guy from getting any even richer or whatever. Yeah. It's not a life or death scenario to let someone else win. It's only life or death if you compete for the gold. Right. You know, Neville said it. Although why they're – but they're killing all of the other um, archaeologists for no reason. Yes. But they went looking for the gold. Yes. Well, there is that. And so I think it's more of a, a tying up loose ends thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, mm-hmm. the other thing that happened this episode is the ward stuff. So we both have uh, Barry and Rafe, sort of a sort of a cliffhanger at the end of the episode because Rafe tasks Barry. Rafe tries to kill Ward or at least goes and pulls a gun on him, but um, can't can't follow through with shooting him. Um and he, so he, I think, realizes if I'm going to kill my father, I'm going to need a proxy to do it because I can't be the one to do it while I'm standing right in front of him. So he, he and tasks I only Barry know one criminal. I only know one criminal. So, yes, yes. Um, which uh, I, 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 I've, I've grown to see what you like in Barry in these last few episodes because there is something about Barry's way of like, here are the facts, Rafe. I'm not instructing you to kill your father. I'm just giving you the facts. And then when Rafe says, okay, I want you to kill my father, he's like, now have you thought this through? Because once we do this, it can't be undone. Like he's like, he's like willing to do it kind of, but also like wants to make sure Rafe's okay. I, I almost wonder like, why is Barry working with Rafe? Because if I was Barry, I'd be so afraid that Rafe could just go rogue or, or do, do something. Money. Yeah, there is that. He's, you know, kind it's of money. It's only money. I mean, Barry is very single-mindedly a businessman, a businessman on the on the wrong side of the law, but it, it is money. He is not vindictive. He's not cruel. He we have seen him be violent, but only in 
pursuit of his money, which you agreed to pay me, and you then you didn't pay me. And I said, if you didn't pay me, I would break your arm. So now I'm going to break your arm, as yes. previously discussed. See my previous email. Yes. Uh, so I, that's why I've always liked Barry because it's a very it's a an interesting twist on the small time drug dealer that it's this in fact very straightforward businessman. Now, every time we see Barry at what we can presume is Barry's location, he's like, I think in the first couple of seasons, we saw he had maybe a trailer or something. And he's mm-hmm. he's got sort of an outdoor, almost like fire pit kind of area, which is always where he is with Rafe. Don't you think Rafe's given him enough money over the years where he could have bought some other sort of house or something? Sure, but maybe he's saving. <laughs> maybe he's, he's saving. looking after his grandmother. Maybe he doesn't want to draw attention to himself. Maybe he doesn't want the police to say, how is Barry, an unemployed pogue, affording this mansion? Maybe he's smart. Yes, maybe. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. when I do my season one and two rewatch, I'll like Barry more. We'll see. Yes. With your influence. uh, I can only hope because I'm very (laughs) fond of him, as we know. Oh, yes. Um, And then I think that this is going to come to head, sort of prediction for next episode. I think we're going to have a intense sequence of who's going to get to Ward first because Ward has promised the pokes, the use of his plane from Sarah coming in and saying, hey, you know how you want to repair our relationship? Here's something you can do for me. Now, we don't know the details. We don't know if Ward is going with them on the plane. We don't know if Sarah's even necessarily going. I know you predicted that they will all go. I'm not sure on that one. I could see a scenario where some of them decide not to. I could see a scenario where Cleo decides, you know what? Actually, I got a good thing here. I don't need to be running off. Me and Mr. Poe work in the restaurant. Yes. Right. I could see that. I could see um, there being a situation. I could see there being a situation where as they're about to leave on the plane or right before they're able to get off the island to go on the plane, uh, Barry either tries to kill Ward or almost does or injures him or something. I could see there being a, a tense moment at the beginning of next episode. Yes. I mean, I could I could see them not even getting wheels up and getting to South America. Uh, and then... You know, Carlos and uh, Big John never being heard from again. I mean, I don't know quite where it's going to go. And I certainly think Episode 8 has restored my faith in the um, in, in the makers of this marvellous narrative that's got a, a, a few problems. <laughs> I don't think, I think either or both of the fathers are going to end the series dead. That's Ward and Big John. How and by whose hand, I don't know. Uh, I can see that uh, John B and Sarah could split forever, but I think given that it's the teenage romance and they are the main couple, the Romeo and Juliet, if you will, the Val and um, Victoire or whatever their names were when they were pretending to be someone Vlad. else. Vlad. Vlad and Val. Yes. Um, that they will end up together. We seem to be coupling everybody, so I'm assuming that Kiara and JJ end up together, which I'm less happy about, but I understand the trope. Rafe, I don't know what happens to him. Does he die? Does he get arrested? What's his fate, do you think? I am getting more and more nervous that there's going to be a fourth season. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know that we're going to get... So so let's... Here, let's talk about the very last scene, and that'll lead into our predictions, because I have a lot of predictions for the next couple episodes. Um, we mentioned that we might have an intense beginning moment of the next episode with the the whole ward plane berry thing uh we've got it gonna have uh, an intense moment 
even before that because uh, the chateau was on fire. Mm -hmm. uh, Topper on the uh, bad conversation he decided to have with Rafe decides um, to uh, get a little drunk. Where are they constantly where they're, these teenagers are able to just not just like drink by the beach some beer, but like they're getting drinks at a restaurant yes it's some kind of waterfront bar club jj used to is work this, there and the cooks oh, go there this yeah. is yes the country club where okay yes still i don't think country clubs usually just hand out drinks to children but maybe they do i don't know uh, never been, as never I, been a that, part of a country club i, I don't notice that because i'm drinking ages 18 here in Australia, okay so there you go it's not, it's not so stark for me that children would be drinking but i also think mary i don't know if you've heard this but if you have money you can do whatever you want apparently Apparently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. So this, uh, yeah, he, he drives over. Also, don't know how he made it there in one piece. Drinking, drinking and driving is never good. Don't do that either. Uh, don't do oh it. Gosh. Don't do it. Mm -hmm. um, but he, he drives over to the chateau and uh, decides to light it on fire. Now, if you were paying attention during his conversation with Rafe, uh, I could have assumed that this would happen because they show a completely random shot of him playing with a matchbook. So you assume that's going to come back. Um, but anyway, so he, yeah, he lights the Chateau on fire. And uh, as far as we know, nobody's nobody's gotten out yet. Nobody's gotten out yet, um, particularly because uh, John B. gets told there's a fire. And he says, wait, what do you mean? Which is what we all say when we're told that. Uh, that, that what do you mean a fire? fire? What do you mean a fire? <laughs> Sorry, can't quite see you through the smoke. Please explain yourself. You know, it's a it's a fire. Oh yes. my gosh! Now look, yes. because of the because of the laws of uh, narrative television, and none of these people are going to die in the fire. But no. it's very frightening. It's very frightening to be, in Sarah's case, half naked and about to have uh, sex, <laughs> sexy time with John B. Uh, <laughs> that that is um that's a a, a blocker <laughs> of any kind to ruin the yes. the mood. Yes, that's a Clovis blocker for for the ages. <laughs> Uh, JJ and Kiara are having the talk, but the flames uh, in interrupt them. So we're left with up in the air is the plan that they're all going to get on Ward's plane in the morning. Presumably Ward is flying it. I'm not sure of the pilot situation. Meanwhile, Barry's now been paid to kill Ward, so presumably he's after Ward. Uh, Topper squeals off into the night, having set fire to the chateau, and Rafe is just rafing it up, uh, also drinking at the club. So Everything's poised for some kind of big explosion. Yes. Uh, do you, so let's start there. Do you think they're going to all safely get out? Yes, 100%. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, think but that they're going place to, to start? Do you think they're going to find a way to stop the fire and save any of the chateau? Or do you think it's burning down and they're just getting out? Well, I think the chateau is burning to the ground because there's this idea of nothing left to lose you know how hmm. much more do you have to lose before you've got nothing left to lose as, as Cleo uh, so wisely said to Pope if this is indeed the last season uh, it's a way of should Big John get out of the season alive him and John B sort of starting again puttering off into the into the sunset I agree with you I started to have a very creeping feeling during episode eight I thought Feel like there's another season. Things are not wrapping up fast enough. And we've only got two episodes, and the episodes are only around forty minutes each. I, I'm yeah. not even comfortable or confident saying that we're going to wrap up this plot line this season. Yeah, like 
We haven't even gotten to El Dorado. We have two more episodes. I am nervous that the end of the season will be them finally catching up with Sing and getting to El Dorado. So season four, Venezuela. I guess. Which is another reason why the Chateau should burn to the ground then. And it's not like season one or two wrapped up their plots, but they at least found a treasure. We have yet to find a treasure. Yes. And in season season one and two, they found the treasure far before the end of the season. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They found the gnomon. They found the code. I think one one of the things that the Outer Banks does very well is scatter everybody to Mm. different parts, and I like that. Another thing it does is bring them all together. So at the end of season two, we had the Pogues on the island and the other players sort of scattered about. I could see a situation where this fire and the aftermath of perhaps the death of Ward at the hands of Barry or the death of Barry at the hands of Ward uh, or the death of Rafe at the hands of Ward or whoever it might be also scatters them. I can say, I can see Cleo saying, I've actually got a very good thing going. I've got my own room for the first time in my life and I'm having a nice time at the restaurant. I'm just which going to take over you know, your life, Pope. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to take, I'm going to take over your life. So. Yes, my big prediction is I cannot see them pulling it all together in a satisfying manner in the next 80 minutes. Nope, nope I don't see it happening, unfortunately. Damn. But... They've got to get on with season four then before these, these kids start to have kids. <laughs> yep, got to, got to do that. So, yeah, we've got, we've got some things coming. The other prediction I have is that I, I think actually um, I'll take back what I said before. I don't think we're seeing any more of Carla Limbry. I think that was done. I think we wrap, I think that was yes. just a, a holdover from season one that we needed to wrap up. And I think we've done that. I think that is a wrap on, uh, that is a wrap on, on Carla Limbry. When it was mentioned that Clarice had been brought up on the Limbry estate I thought oh do we have to go back and see Cal but in fact nope. we don't it's just a location in, in time and place so yes yeah. that that is fine goodbye Juliet no we're yeah we're done done with that so yeah and anything else about these two episodes that you want to talk about no I mean I said everything I needed to say about episode seven I'll just pretend it didn't happen and episode you think, uh, eight, JJ and Kiara will ever have a, their talk if you think they'll ever have time at some point it might not be this season but at at some point they will they will have their talk i would rather that they didn't get back that they didn't get together but i can see how for narrative satisfaction and because it is essentially a teen drama romance comedy adventure that the pairing the heterosexual pairing continues so Yes, I've I've made up my mind to it because to me they are the sparkiest and the liveliest, liveliest and the most interesting, other than Cleo and then Pope, of the characters. I sort of would like them to find a different way of being, but mm. you know, I also accept that that uh, you know, narrative television is is what it is. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, hopefully, things will at least. I don't know. I just, I don't want, I can handle one cliffhanger. I don't need sub cliffhangers within the cliffhangers. But <laughs> then again, you can't have a, a teen drama with, with a steady couple all the way throughout. So yes, I think the sub cliffhangers are indeed pointing towards a fourth season. Yes. So, and, and look, just to be clear, it's not that I don't want more show. It's that I just want to make sure that if there is more show that they have a plan for it. And it's not going on too long. 
So we'll find out. I think there's enough set up that I can see them. You know, if they don't get to South America till season four, then I can see that being sort of a rich lot of plot to mine. But I just, I have my reservations. Yeah, well, we'll find out. But that so far is is all for episode seven and eight. Tune in next time for the hopefully thrilling conclusion to the murder, mystery, adventure, romance, drama, comedy, treasure hunt that is Outer Banks. We are also going to be joined by a special guest, although I don't even know if you can call it a special guest because she was a mainstay on our first uh, podcast. The chair. Yes. Asia Welch will be joining us to give her season three overview, her thoughts, as well as recapping the final two episodes. So if you have enjoyed our podcast can, uh, consider becoming a Posha Recaps patron, get early access to podcasts as well as patron-exclusive podcasts. Any level gets you access to the Discord, and merch is also available at higher levels. You can sign up at patreon.com slash Recaps or poshorecaps.com slash patreon. And if you just want the merch, head over to the store, postshowrecaps.com slash store. That is your place to buy all your Postshow Recaps merchandise, including T-shirts, Mugs, hats, fire extinguishers, matchbooks, douche canoes, aeroplanes, <laughs> chateaus, anything that you could possibly want. Oh, good. I, I know exactly where I'll go over there to get my next uh, <laughs> my next chateau. Perfect. Um, all right, Sarah, what do you have going on besides this podcast and where can people find you? Uh, people can follow me if they want to at Sarah Carradine on Twitter. I have a weekly true crime review podcast called Crime Scene, S-E-E-N, on RHAP, Reality TV Rehap Ups. I'm writing about Australian Survivor, Heroes versus Villains, and you can find my articles over at Inside Survivor. And on silent podcasts, I'm talking all things Taskmaster Australia. Uh, what about you, Mary? You can follow me everywhere at Frail Mary to keep up with my various podcasting and adventures. And uh, you can also check out my personal podcast, Kowski Cast. That is cow with a K. All right. Until next time, let's go goblin mode. <laughs> <laughs>